We're going to leave those doors open so you might hear a little bit of noise as people come in, trying to get as much heat from out there into here. <laughs> we apologize. We kicked the heat on yesterday morning and nothing happened. And so we tried again this morning, so we're going to have to get somebody out to look at the furnaces this week to find out why we're not getting heat. And uh, so we'll just make do, just worship a little harder. Praise God. Second Chronicles chapter 5, I'm going to start just at verse number 13 and uh, kind of talk through a little bit of this aspect, but it's talking about the priests having gone into the Holy of Holies and have come back out and they had consecrated themselves and so now all of them are there and in verse 13 it says, and it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. It was filled with a cloud. And then, even more so in verse 14, it says, So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And I want to talk a little bit today and challenge us, hopefully, uh, about having a close encounter with Almighty God. Would you just bow your heads and just ask the Lord to help us today? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, and we're honored to be in your anointed presence. And thank you, God, for showing up so that we can sense you and to hear your voice. And now I'm asking you, through this lesson, God, let your word be accomplished. Let it settle into the depths of our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. In 1977, long time ago, there was a movie that took the world by storm and it instantly became a classic. It's still considered by many a classic in the sci-fi arena for movies of all time. It won an Oscar. It was nominated for 29 other awards, of which it won 10. And uh, it was a Steven Spielberg masterpiece, so to speak. And the tagline for this movie was Close Encounter of the First Kind, Sighting of a UFO, Close Encounter of the Second Kind, Physical Evidence, and Close Encounter of the Third Kind, Contact, We Are Not Alone. And uh, I've never seen the movie, but the title is always connected with me, and uh, it's stuck in my mind for years. And I believe that the reason why it has stuck in my mind is that it really speaks to the very essence of my desire and what I look for in my walk with God. I want, and I, and I pray that you do, I desire, I cry out for a close encounter of the third kind with him. I want to contact him. From my earliest days as a child in church, I have seen him work. Because I've had many encounters of the first kind, uh, sightings of him. I've seen him work. I've seen him do things. 
from a distance I have watched from the earliest days I have watched and seen him work. There's also been times in my life where I've had close encounters of the second kind, physical evidence of him. Just looking back over my life, you can see exactly where I had contact with him in a physical evidence kind of way. I have watched him step into the physical arenas of different people's lives and move on their behalf and move on my behalf. And I have seen it and I have experienced it. However, I've also had moments of the close encounter of the third kind where I know that I have contacted God, that I have come into connection with the Lord, that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it wasn't me working up my emotions, it wasn't me being sentimental, but I was experiencing the contact from the Lord. The problem with it is it's always seemingly to be a temporary contact. And my heart's desire is that it will go beyond just a momentary contact with him, but that I would step into a relationship with him that gives me a daily interaction. It gives me a daily communion. It gives me a daily presence and a daily relationship. And so I've come to the conclusion that you and I, if we've lived any length of time, that you and I have encountered many things and we encounter many things when we talk about God, when we talk about church, when we talk about life. Uh, on a regular basis, I know that we all encounter men and women. <laughs> You've already had an encounter with somebody today when you walked through the doors. We've encountered slick presentations. We've encountered uh, nice talk and, and emotional leading and and speaking. We encounter professional lighting and professional sound and professional programs and, and advertisements that, that grasp our attention and that turn our eyes toward that advertisement. We've encountered church. How many's ever encountered church? We've encountered church. We do. We encounter emotional moments. There's nothing like being in the presence of God and having that momentary emotion. Oh, my word. Hold on just a second. It's dead now. I'll leave it up here for Trish for worship. Don't know where it went. Yeah, we just didn't come. A box elder bug. Please. put it on tear and stand. <laughs> oh, priceless. You see, we encounter things. We encounter exhilarating times of worship. But my question today is, when was the last time that you had a truly close encounter with God? You have come into an unfiltered contact with glory where it has overwhelmed you, where you couldn't really even think straight, speak. You became one of those priests that couldn't even do the duties of the temple because the glory of God was so strong. 
I didn't say when was the last time you were impressed by a move of God. I didn't say when was the last time you were impressed by music or worship or, or the lights or the people. But when was the last time that you got totally inundated to where you didn't know up from down in the presence of God? See, I have this feeling and expectation that I believe God is leading Spirit of Grace Church into a greater measure of understanding what it means to walk slowly in the presence of God. To not become rushed in the house of the Lord. Because that's us. We're microwave people nowadays. We, we, we want things... I, I, my, Declan and I laugh because uh, several mornings of the week we'll just run through McDonald's and get him breakfast on the way to school this is breakfast at McDonald's in the height of the breakfast hour okay and it is almost every day that they're asking us to pull around to the stop because the hash browns aren't done and so they'll do that and Declan and I'll just look at each other and smile and because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know it's the breakfast hour. It's the one food item that comes with every meal. I can understand if it's a burrito or a McMuffin or whatever, because not everybody orders those, but every meal comes with hash browns. And you are a fast food restaurant, beside the point, and almost every time we go through, we're pulled around to the other side to parking spot number one. You tell him a little bitter. We have that expectation. We, you, you know, most of us no longer even want to wait on oil changes. So we go to Jiffy Lube. Have you figured out why they got the name Jiffy? They want it quick. We, we, don't, want to, we don't want to wait anything. We want everything to just come quick. And unfortunately, what we've done is we have allowed that, that mindset, that heart set to spill over into our relationship with God. And God, just give me that zap. Lord, give me that lightning bolt so I can feel it from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Let me just feel it. But God, don't let me get, we got to get to lunch, you know. God, I've got things to do. I've got places to go and people to see. I'm important. And I believe God is trying to teach us once again in greater measure, not that we've ever never learned it, but in greater measure, how to have an encounter with him that goes beyond just a momentary fix, if you will. See, there's a difference between an encounter and a close encounter. Let me ask it this way. How many have ever been driving... Uh, down the road and you're driving just a little bit over the speed limit and a police officer is coming towards you and he flashes his light just enough to get your attention and he does this kind of thing because he recognize he doesn't want to pull you over but he wants you to slow down has that ever happened to anybody it's happened to me a few times <clears throat> that is an encounter However, how many of you have been in the same situation only to have the officer pass you, slam on his brakes, whip his car around violently, hit his lights, get behind you, and pull you to the side of the road? That's a close encounter. 
there's a huge difference. In some cases, maybe a two or $300 difference. It's, you're speaking from experience. <laughs> it is a difference between, and we have settled with the encounters of God instead of having that close encounter. I, I don't know about you, I've had a couple of times in my life, now because of my dad, I've gotten to know a lot of Olympians, at least the Olympians of 1972. Um, but I, I've had a couple other encounters with people. We were, I, I think it was, I, I can't remember if Trish was with me, but I was going down to, I think I was going down to Texas um, to speak at a conference, a youth conference several years ago. And I'm sitting there and lo and behold, coming about four or five tables away from where I was sitting, Iron Man himself showed up, Robert Downey Jr. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was cool. I was right there. I had kind of an encounter with celebrity. Never talked to him. Never sat down with him, but I encountered him. As a kid, um, I was blessed to play hockey, and I skated on the 1984 uh, U.S. Olympic team. A gentleman by the name of Corey Millen from Cloquet, Minnesota, came and skated with us several times because his cousin was on, was actually my, my right wing. And, and so I got to have encounters with him. I also have the same birthday with U.S. Olympian and Stanley Cup winner, Brett Hedekin. And not only that, my mom dated his dad. And not only that, I sat next to him in eighth grade English. And I'll guarantee you, he probably doesn't remember it. He may remember the last name because he ended up winning all of my dad's awards at North St. Paul High School that were named after my dad. And I think they've kind of renamed him after Brett now. But uh, uh, I, I've had encounters. But at the same time, when I look at that, I, I had Robert Downey Jr. waved me over and sat down and we would have had a con That would have changed the encounter to a close encounter. Corey Millen and, and Brett Hedekin probably don't even remember who I am. Those were just encounters. I haven't spent time with them. I haven't had a close encounter with them. There's a huge difference. And so I submit to you today as believers, as church members, that a lot of us have become accustomed to encounters with God. But I also submit to you this morning that too many of us have been attending church maybe even for years, but we've attended faithfully and religiously and we have been in having encounters over and over, but we have learned how to settle for the momentary weekly encounters with God. We keep God just close enough so we can say we've encountered him, but we don't reach out and grab a hold of him on a daily basis to have him close with us. We have settled to see him at a distance. We have settled to see the physical evidence of what he's doing in our lives and the blessings that he's having in our life. But today I feel like God is challenging us that we need to see more than just the encounter. We need to have that close encounter of the third kind, contact. This same tendency can be traced really all through the Bible. Let me give you a couple of examples. 
King Saul in the Old Testament had a great anointing of God. His anointing was actually so strong that when David had the opportunity to kill him, David said, I will not mess with God's anointing. Saul had an anointing of God. He had an encounter with God, but he didn't have a close encounter with God. For at least 20 years, he operated with the anointing, but without the presence. He operated with the anointing of God, but outside of the presence of God. It was not in his home. It was not in his heart. And he didn't have any problem with that as long as he could lean back on his anointing. And so the Bible says that God had even left. But because the Bible also says in the book of Acts, Romans, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Once God anoints you, the anointing's going to be there. Even though Saul had went to witchcraft, a sorcerer, and, and totally uh, n- neglected the things of God, the Bible lets us know that the anointing was still there, the presence wasn't. And unfortunately, I believe that as long as the gold was there, as long as the palace bed was still soft, as long as people still bowed and, and, and wielded authority and power, no contact was needed. He didn't need the presence of God because he had the anointing of God. Can I tell you, I love the anointing of God, but more important than his anointing is he himself. I want to have contact with him. I want to have relationship with him. Oh, I love the anointing, but if all I had was the anointing, it, it wouldn't be anything. The example that I've used before, when I was growing up, we had in, our, in the basement by my bedroom a room called the hockey closet. It's where we stored all of our equipment and all of our skates. And, and uh, my dad played professional and in the Olympics. And so I have, he had all of his, uh, one of the, the traditions in the Olympics is the teams from overseas and the United States, they would trade something between them. And so the, the gloves that my dad had were not the Olympic gloves. They were, if I'm not mistaken, they were from the Finns. They did a trade off and he now had some guys from Finland's gloves. And uh, so I thought it was cool to put the gloves on and the elbow pads and the shoulder pads and my dad's knee pads. And the problem was is my dad was 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and I wasn't. And so my knee pads covered my whole legs, or his knee pads covered my whole legs. The elbow pads, you know, I looked like a, a sumo wrestler more than a hockey player after I got all the pads on. But... W- the, what I said all that to say this, I enjoyed as a kid, I'd go put it all on and I'd go out and skate and, or try to skate thinking that I was cool wearing all of that gear. And, but if dad would have called one day and said, Tim, go ahead and, and, and take all of the equipment, go out and play, um, but I'm probably not going to come home. I could have enjoyed that for maybe a day or two, but eventually I'd be looking for dad to come home. And we have gotten used to, as believers, of having the equipment of God, so to speak, having the blessings of the Lord, having the mercies of God, that we have come to a place where 
we like that a little bit, but if God ever really removed himself, we'd like it for a momentary period of time, but we would become so hungry for a close encounter with God Almighty. I want to have a close contact encounter with God. So the Bible says David is a man after God's own heart. He has a close encounter with God. He wasn't perfect by any stretch. But he had a close encounter with God on a consistent basis, it seems, through Scripture. But there's a person in Scripture that most people don't pay a lot of attention to. His name is Joab. And Joab is David's right-hand man. Joab is David's general. And the difference between David and Joab is that Joab never had more than an encounter with God. Remember the first and second one. The first one is, is uh, excuse me, is the sighting. The second one is a physical evidence. That's what Joab had. He saw God through David. He saw what God did for David. But we have no reference in Scripture where Joab ever took the things of God to himself. So he had encounters. He had the same environment that David had. He had the same opportunity that David had. He had the same God that David had, but there was a different outcome. You see, daily, David has contact. Joab didn't. Daily, he had a worship experience with God, a communal experience, but Joab stayed at a distance and only had an encounter with God. In the New Testament, this happens. Uh, you can see this happen with Jesus' disciples. The guys that are supposed to be closest to the Messiah, all 11 have encounters, or all 12 have encounters, but 11 have close encounters. They are ready to give their lives to the king and to the kingdom. But Judas only has an encounter. He's, he's split. He likes the miracles to a certain extent. He likes blessing others to a certain extent. But he's all about revenge and setting up a kingdom and overthrowing the Roman Empire and, and doing all of those things. And so he hasn't had a close encounter with the Lord. I think maybe even the best example is found in the story of the 10 lepers. Uh, if you don't know the story of the 10 lepers, 10 lepers are healed by the Lord, and he says to go show themselves to the priest, and when they showed themselves to the priest, they were made whole, or they were, they were healed, but there was one that came back to Jesus to give him thanks, and when he came back to give him thanks, Jesus said, you're made whole. Okay? There were 10 that God healed. There were 10 whose lives were drastically changed in that moment. There were 10 destinies forever reshaped and marked by the power of God. But there is a drastic difference for the one who had a close encounter instead of just an encounter. While nine of them settled for the encounter, the spiritual high, if you will, the, the miracle of healing, if you will. 
they neglected the intimate interaction with the Lord, but there was one that had a close encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And can I tell you what I believe is the difference when you read the passage of Scripture? Is that leprosy is basically a flesh-eating disease. And, they were dis and when they contracted leprosy, they were marked ceremonially unclean. They, they couldn't be, they had to stay on the outskirts of town. They couldn't come around people lest they made other people unclean. And that day, it's interesting that when Jesus heals them, he sends them to the priest. Because it would be the priest that would declare them either clean or unclean. And so here's, I guess this is me reading into it. So I won't try to prove this biblically, but you'll just have to either agree with me or be wrong. Um, but when Jesus says those nine were healed I believe the leprosy was stopped I believe the leprosy was over I believe that when they got to the priest the priest was able to declare them clean but there's an interesting phrase for the one that came back to Jesus the one that came back to Jesus he said you're made whole there's a difference between being healed and being made whole. Here's what I believe happened on the close encounter of the one leper. Not only was the leprosy stopped, but everything that the leprosy had taken away was put back in place. Uh, I believe the nine that settled for an encounter with God, yes, they, got, they were able to be clean and they were able to go about their business, but whatever parts of the body had been eaten away by the leprosy, the leprosy was gone, it was dead, but there was no restoration. But that one that came back and had a close encounter with God, the Bible says you are made whole or complete. I know leprosy is a nasty disease, but there were people that were declared clean and healed that day that still didn't have their arms back. Didn't have maybe some of their eyes back. Whatever the leprosy had attacked in that body, but there was one that was made whole because of a close encounter uh, with the Lord. The challenge that lies before you and I as a body of believers and as individuals is simply this. Are we going to settle from a simple encounter from time to time? Will we call it having a great service when we get goosebumps and get to shout a little bit and get to, to, to show off our gifts a little, if you will, and, and, and to worship and we get that emotional feeling and that lightness in our spirit? Or will we hold out a little bit longer and hold on a little bit longer for a life-changing, world-wrecking, city-shaking, addiction-breaking, marriage-restoring, teenager-rescuing, close encounter with God? I want to have that close encounter with God. But I want you to notice that leper came back to Jesus. Here's what happens to us. We get in the presence of God and we feel the encounter with the Lord. And we even get smile. We feel good. And when the emotion of it goes down a little bit, we're out. 
and we're worried about bills and we're worried about food and worried about the week and we're worried about work and we're worried about this and we're worried about that. And we forget to take the extra time to come back into his presence and say, Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done, but I want more, more. See, if, if I'm honest this morning with you, it is not our desire to pastor Spirit of Grace Church to see how smart Trish and I can be or how fashionable or trendy we can be. I was reminded that of last night. We didn't just have some talented people that needed a stage to let their voice out or let their playing skills out. We didn't have, we're, we're not here to set up something where people can walk into a beautiful building and have the oohs and the ahs come, but no change. We didn't come so we could watch as worship begins to happen and to see the smiles on people's face. We have come because we are hungry for a close encounter with God. You can go to all kinds of churches in all kinds of areas and find churches that are having encounters with God. But are they taking the next step, pushing out, checking the calendar, showing up where you can uh, receive the things of God with the body of Christ? Are we making it to the, the, the women's night or the Saturday morning breakfast for the men? Are we making it to a chain breakers thing or a Thursday night midweek? Where, where is our, what are we pushing towards? What am I pushing towards? God, I want to have that encounter with you. I have... There's a, there's a saying uh, that I wrote down. I can't remember who said it, but it's, it was simply this. More than more is my heart's cry. More than more is my heart's cry. You see, I've encountered many things. I have tried many things. You, you've got to understand you don't know my history I didn't eat anything different until I got married. I didn't. I, I grew up and lived on cereal, Carbonis, McDonald's, and my mom would cook every once in a while. No, my mom cooked all the time. We had dinner all the time, but it was, it was just burgers, hot dogs. She tried to get us to do liver, and that wasn't happening. I was thankful for a dad that didn't like it either, so it wasn't a pushed subject. She did all the gizzards and all that kind, of, still would today if she could, but we don't let her anymore. There, there, yeah, all of that stuff, all that weird, that wasn't me. You want to know what my Chinese was when I was growing up? It was that chow mein with the hard noodles, and that was it. And white hard rice. I got to Dover and started going out and then, and then starting dating her. It was like, okay, well, let's go to this seafood restaurant. Let's go to this Mexican. Mexican food? 
the, the highest level of Mexican I had ever had was Taco Bell. Because Taco John's wasn't in existence yet. Yeah, then we went to Chi-Chi's, and that was basically because we could get chips and salsa for free as college students. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying I've had encounters with different things. I've experienced different things. And I know it's kind of comical that my, my palate is, now I love different kinds of Chinese. Well, I still haven't gotten to the spicy stuff. Yeah, although I have a little bit. I got to sesame chicken. But here's the thing. I've been to camp meetings. I've been to conferences. I've been to devotions. Can I tell you one of the, the greatest devotional sessions that I was ever in? I was in my third year of college, I think it was, and, and, and I've shared a little bit of this with you before, but I was in charge of Friday night youth services. And so during the school year, our youth would combine with the college and we would do a college and young people service on Friday night. And uh, so I was working with the, the college uh, professor that was over the Friday night and so we were working together and we had set this up and we were able to do it because we were in Delaware, Dover, Delaware, where the Air Force Base was. And so we ended up getting a quiet room in the upstairs of the church and we had an underground service quote unquote underground and so we gather within and we'd get in and we were whispering and Dawn Schnur was her name and she and I were leading the service we said okay we're going to worship now and so we, we'd start to worship but because we were college kids we didn't know how to be quiet and we had never been challenged to be quiet in church and so all of a sudden you would sense the, the worship level kind of rise and the volume. And, and in the middle of that underground service, we'd say, shh, you can't, you can't lift your voice that loud. Can I tell you that the young people that were in that service, I think you were there, was we were getting so frustrated because we just wanted to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. But we were trying to teach what an underground church was doing getting louder and louder and louder. And what we did was we had started from the sanctuary and we had this room and we took them like the underground church goes to church. So we split the whole congregation up into about five or six people and had a different leader and that leader took them all over the property hiding and ducking and getting behind this tree and, and, and shadow and to get to there so that none of the military, and we had the Air Force guys in their camels with their guns walking around the property. So we get in there and just build out. Oh, no, no, you got to be quiet. See, we were having an encounter with God at that moment. Wasn't close yet. I haven't gotten to the end of the story. But we were feeling his presence. And there was a hunger in that room, teenager and college student alike, that just wanted just to burst forth in worship and praise. But as leaders, we, were, we knew we were in the heart of China, if you will. We were underground. We, we knew that we were in trouble if they found where we were at. Got it down, got it down. 
And then all of a sudden, we started going back up, and we realized we couldn't do it any longer. We couldn't keep it down any longer. And at that point in time, we had the base guys, fully armed in camels, come bursting through the room like they were getting ready to arrest everybody. At that moment, we had a close encounter. That room of young people just exploded with travail and weeping. They were all teenager and adult and college student like they were all we were all flat on our face in the presence of God, understanding the freedom that we have to worship. But having that, in, we had become settled with having church. We had become settled with having a little bit of a goosebump here because we had great church in Dover. We had the power of God moved. We'd have altar, all that kind of stuff. But we had not gotten to a depth until that night. And can I tell you, I believe that that night is what turned the page for a lot of those young people. Most of those young people are in some kind of ministry today. Why? Because they had a close encounter. A close encounter. I want to have such a close encounter with God that he knocks me off my feet and my high horse and he knocks the anger and the bitterness and the lust and the uh, apathy and the critical spirit and the prejudice right out of me. We have a decision to make to be what kind of people we're going to be today. There's really two options in Scripture. The first is found in Ezekiel 44. I'm reading verse 11. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people. They shall stand before them to minister unto them because they ministered unto them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity unto the house of Israel. Therefore have I lifted up my hand against them, saith the Lord, and they shall bear their iniquity. And they shall not, this is talking about the people of the sanctuary, they shall not come near unto me to execute the office of the priest unto me, nor to come near to any of my holy things unto the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Yet... Will I make them keepers of the charge of the house for all the service thereof and for all that shall be done therein? The message Bible says it this way for verses 13 and 14. They're fired from the priesthood. No longer will they come into my presence and take care of my holy things. No more access to the holy place. They'll have to live with what they've done, carry the shame of their vile and obscene lives. From now on, their job is to sweep up and run errands. That's it. We can have church like that. It, 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 we can come in. We can have charge of the house. We can minister in the house. We can offer sacrifices in the house. We can sing in the house, praise in the house, do church in the house, and never come near to him. We can be satisfied with doing the business of the king, sweeping up and running errands and doing this and doing that and never really encountering him. We can answer correctly when asked if we went to church we can put a sticker on our car, if you will, that advertises, that's who I am. 
We can know all the words and the secret handshakes and we can have the things of God and never really have God. That's an option. We can settle for an encounter. Or we can make our minds up today that spirit of grace is about more than that. We can make up our minds today and determine in our hearts that as a body we are not about to settle for sweeping up and running errands. That there has to be more than that. We have to set our face like a flint and, and fight for this place like the church that we read in Second Chronicles where the priests left the holy place and ultimately they got down to it and the Bible says that the priests couldn't even carry out their duties because of the glory cloud of God that filled the temple. That's what I'm hungry for. That's what I'm thirsty for. That's what I want to see. A close encounter with God. A contact with Almighty God. We can have a church where regardless of your rank or your assignment, you can be an usher, a janitor, elder, preacher, whatever it is, it won't matter because you're going to want to experience the same amount of glory as the person sitting next to you. The glory will be just as strong in the parking lot as it is in the sanctuary, just as strong in the kids' wing as it is here in the sanctuary. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where every time we get together, the glory glory of God has to show up because a people are so hungry and thirsty for that encounter or that contact with Almighty God where we can't even function our minds are just blown God I know I'm supposed to worship right now but I'm so overwhelmed We can have a church where the move of God is so profound and so pronounced that the city will have to sit up and take notice. Not because of who we are, but because of who has shown up. The glory of the Lord. Oh my. Something has come to my mind and I don't know if I should share it now or in my next message. I'll share it now. friends of ours well we were friends of the son his, his name was Sean his dad is Ron they pastored in Gaithersburg Maryland this was years ago and uh, they were in a season in their church that they were so hungry for the move of God that encounter with the Lord and they had come into the church that day or that evening whatever it was where they were having the service and their worship just started going into depths that it hadn't gone to before. And there was such a move and power of God until Pastor Libby was sitting over on the side and he looked out, I believe, and saw a bunch of firemen running through the vestibule. He was obviously a little worried. He thought Randy and Taryn were in town. You knew I wasn't going to let it go. We had a little bit of smoke issues yesterday with some, some good stuff getting on a hot stuff. They still tasted really good. But these firemen, so he steps down 
And he walks back out and he's talking to these firemen. He says, we're here because there's a fire. Show us where the fire's at. And Pastor Libby said, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, oh yeah, we've been driving by here watching flames shoot up from the top of your roof. And so we've come to try to put the fire out. There was no fire. There was only glory. Listen, my friend, I, I, I know that may even sound a little crazy to you, but that's what I'm hungry for. I want people to drive by here and recognize that there's a flame of fire and they may not know what it is, but something draws their attention. Something There's such a close encounter and a glory-filled atmosphere that the power of God just moves across the city. We have a choice. We can settle for the encounters that have satisfied us but as for me and my house, as for me and this church, we want to have another experience. If we want to be like Ezekiel, let's just shut it down, go home, retire. But I'm hungry for a Chronicles church where the power and the presence of God is so strong that we don't even know what to do. I declare to you today that the man was right when he said, quote, a church is not a church until God decides that it will become a place of divine visitation. The building may be one of architectural splendor and exquisite design, but it is not a church until God issues a certificate of divine occupancy that takes up residence there. We need God to occupy this place. He fills the house always before he fills the believer. He, he wants to take occupancy here. Without his presence, we're nothing more than a social club. So my challenge to you today is will you settle for an encounter or will you push forward to a close encounter? Will you be satisfied with a little taste of heaven here little bit there, a little bit over there? Will you wink and say, yeah, we have a cool little church? Or will you join us? He's joining us. As we pursue his presence at all cost. My prayer is that together we will push and press toward the things of God until he issues us by the hand of his mercy, a certificate, if you will, of glory and honor and presence that is so powerful that we won't even know what to do. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Lord, as we close out this Sunday school hour getting ready for our next service, Lord, my heart cries more than more. I want you, Jesus. I want to have a close encounter. I want to have contact with you today. Lord, I don't want to just feel good in the house. I want to feel changed in the house. I don't want to just feel happy in the house. I want to feel holy in the house. I want to operate, God, under the glory cloud of your righteousness and your mercy and your grace. 
I want your presence to be so strong, God, that we can't even figure out how to maneuver, but that we just get lost in it, that we just get saturated by it. Lord, I'm praying that this day, uh, would be a life-changing experience for this church uh, between the service that we're getting ready to head into and the 5.30 service this evening that your soaking, that your saturation, that your consuming power of God would rest in this house, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Are you ready for a close encounter?